0: On today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition, security expert Stephen Shankland is here answering our live show questions and divulging all his best tips and tricks to better password authentication practices. What are our favorite password managers? What are yours? And what about biometrics? First of all, a disclaimer, I absolutely hate biometrics. I hate them with every fiber of my being. Stephen, what advice do you have for me?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Get over it. Wow. There is an issue with biometrics. <laughs> um, which is that you can't revoke the credentials. So if you, if some hacker gets your password, then you can change your password, but you can't change your uh, face. You can't change your fingerprint. You can't change those other biometric aspects. So, uh, that's kind of a problem. Usually the way biometrics works these days is your, uh, you, your bank or something. They don't actually have your fingerprint on file or your face on file they rely on local data on your phone or your PC to actually do that authentication. And then say, yep, this guy passes the test, so so he's good. So it's not maybe as uh, bad a security problem as you might think, just because you can't revoke your fingerprints. But uh, mostly biometrics, I think it's here to stay. It's very convenient. It's part of this FIDO Alliance work. Uh, It's one of the factors you can use in multi-factor authentication. Uh, the bigger issue, perhaps, is with uh, you know having face ID on every uh, street corner and losing the inan- anonymity you have walking around right. in the city, the privacy. So that's an that's a separate issue from biometric authentication, but obviously it's related.
0: Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and extend the poll to the audience that we had previously mentioned. Uh, if you have any good suggestions that you think are really great ways to like manage your passwords. Uh, besides the obvious ones like we're talking about here, technological, I want to know what pneumatic devices you guys use to keep your passwords straight out there, if there are any mental things that you do, any g- like games that you play to try to keep those because I do it. I do it. Uh, uh, who was talking about it in the chat room here on YouTube? Uh, oh, Will says, my passwords are always old, obscure references from movies, spelled differently, uh, partially in Leet. Uh, for me, I do a very similar thing, but I use... Um, music I use record albums my favorite albums of all time that I mishmash into different ways so it all makes sense up here oh, um, yeah. what have you guys used Roger and steven like historically to try to help you down this path
2: yeah I mean I I learned to use like phrases or like you know multi-word phrases but instead of using those words I you know take the first initial of each word of that phrase mix it up a little bit um you know here at at cnet and at CBS interactive we we change our passwords every I don't know several months or every, so. So we, Every we, three months. Yeah, three months. So, you know, we, we've got to constantly be changing, constantly change and remember the password that we've changed it to. Um, and so, yeah, that, that requires uh, a few extra mental leaps to take.
1: Okay, let me, let me rain on the parade here. You guys are both a bunch of idiots. So
2: <laughs> Yes. Well, I mean, I knew <laughs> that already, but thank you Here's for the
1: Here's the problem. So th- these systems are good, and you, if they work for you, that's great. If they work reliably... The big problem is that as you uh, just live your life, you'd get more and more passwords. So I just counted mine, I have 515 passwords. I don't see that number going down anytime soon and there is no way I can remember which of my 515 favorite albums or poems or books or whatever, there's no way I can do that in my own head. So I use a password manager. I recommend other people use password managers. They're not perfect but they will generate strong, unique passwords for you and they will remember them for you. So for me, that is the only way out of this password hell. So I, you know, for people who have a system that works, that's great. We're actually having a couple more pieces we're gonna be publishing over the week about yeah. uh, password managers and how to pick a good password. So uh, stay tuned uh, later this week for more on on, you know, for people who do have to use passwords, which is all of us really. But the bottom line is, You just can't expect human beings to remember all the passwords. The basic problem is a good, strong password is something that's going to be really easy for a computer to generate, really easy for a computer to memorize, but it's going to be really hard for a human to come up with and hard for a human to remember. So strong passwords and human brains, they don't get along well. That's why I recommend a password manager.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, obviously, that's a big part of the conversation here today. Brian is a big fan of LastPass, says his partner just got his family involved so that they can share stuff like Netflix Netflix, Netflix, Netflix passwords. Uh, uh, what is your favorite password manager out there so far, Stephen?
1: I've used three passwords. I started with LastPass. I went over to uh, Bitwarden and now I use 1Password. I can't say that I'm deeply in love with any of them. Uh, i Currently using one password, I, I tend to like them technologically. I don't think they do autofill quite as well as LastPass. Mm. That is, when you go to a website and it suggests the username and password, which is you know convenient. Uh, I think LastPass is a little bit better at that, but I like the security a little better with one password. So it's. I don't think, I don't think there's a clear winner. Uh, I think you can look at, um, Cliff Colby here at CNET has done, uh, his review and he gives, uh, the edge to last pass and one password. Yeah. So that's his advice, uh, for those particular ones, get one that works for you and, and it, it's, it's, it'll make your life a lot easier. I actually, one of the things I like about, uh, one password, I went with a family plan over the Christmas holidays. I got my parents onto it, you know, they're worried, you know, what if one of them is incapacitated in some way? I now have, you know, access to their passwords. Now it's not something you want to grant to everybody, but, you know, maybe for your next of kin, it's something that you want to look into, give your spouse access, things like that. So it it can be a good way, not just to manage your password for yourself, but to help your family deal with it.
0: With a lot of these, they have, at the very least, um, trial periods. But with the pricing plans, family plans, what is maybe the best kind of budget um, option for someone out there who's just an average consumer, not power users like yourself um, or even Roger, somebody who's just out there trying to take care of themselves and their family kind of thing. What's a good budget option for them?
1: Uh, last pass free uh, works pretty well. And there's a premium option too, that adds some extra features, but last pass free is, is real. And, uh, you know, it's not a crippled version or something like that. Also, uh, I did like uh, Bitwarden, as I say, that's free as well. So you can look around, but both of those two options i found were pretty solid
0: at the free tier. Yeah, So you are actually advocating the free um, version of them?
1: Yeah, I think uh, certainly is a way to get started. I personally believe in paying for software, for services. If it's uh, working for you, delivering real value, then it's not inconceivable that you might want to pay for that, like you pay to go see a movie or you pay for your car or something like that. So to me, it's... Uh, You know, free is great, but uh, bear in mind that if you are paying for something, you're supporting a business that might actually be important to you in the long run when it comes to new features, uh, security improvements, things like that. So my personal philosophy is 40 bucks a year is not uh, not that unreasonable for something as important as keeping hackers and identity thieves out of your hundreds of accounts.
0: Touché. Uh, Okay, so right before you brought up the dongle um timothy was asking about physical key fobs are they more secure i'm finding it interesting that would you say that we've kind of gone backwards in technology seeing that we were including more like the physical fob the dongle in there to try to protect us or is this just always been the better way
1: there is a reason you uh, saw these rsa secure id tokens for uh a few decades now that these little things you'd put on your keychain, it would have the pretty little six-digit code on an LCD. Those days are long gone, and those definitely were more secure than just passwords. There's a reason that a lot of people, government, military-sensitive uh, accounts, use those things, but they weren't mm-hmm. great. Uh, these n- newer keys are much more convenient one key works with many accounts. You can have backup keys. so You can have one in your safe deposit box, one in your desk drawer at home, one on your keychain. Uh, there are some big improvements, and also, as I say, they protect against phishing because they actually the key itself actually checks the website or the app you're using it with, and it will not work with the wrong uh, the wrong website. So if somebody sends you to g o zero g l e instead of the regular google.com, they'll say, Mm-mm, sorry, not going there. When Google started using these things, their phishing, the successful phishing attacks on their tens of thousands of employees went to what number? Zero. They went to nothing. So these things are really effective when it comes Mm. to security. Uh, Yes, it's a problem, as Roger pointed out, a lot of people are not going to want to carry them around. I'm not convinced they're going to become mainstream, but because you can build them into your phone, that's very early technology right now, but I suspect that will catch on widely. And that's going to be the way a lot of people use these things. So I don't think it's a step backwards. It's definitely a step forward in terms of technological uh, strength in, in protecting your account. The convenience factor, it's not as convenient as just a password alone. But when you talk about, first of all, being able to use it in combination with biometrics, second of all, being able to build it directly into your phone or actually even your laptop as well, I think it'll catch on much more widely.
0: Very well said. Uh, Next up from Imagine Sagi on YouTube, it says, I'm skeptical of password managers. They say they don't keep our passwords, but how do we 100% know that these password managers do not keep our passwords?
1: Hmm. Okay, so that's a a good question. Uh, These password managers, uh, how do you know 100%? What you have to do is you have to look at the relative risk out there. So password managers are not perfect. You can roll your own. You can keep your own list somehow and completely avoid password managers. There's some password managers you can use that don't uh, have a cloud service, that don't upload passwords to, you know, a, a central service. But for example, one password, it's encrypted with your own keys and they don't have the keys. So, you know, at some point you have to trust them. But I think what you have to look at when you're talking about password managers is the relative risk. So they are not perfect. They're complicated. They have whatever, you know, you might not like their philosophy in one way or another, but you have to compare that to the risk of using conventional passwords and conventional password managers. If you are trying to make up your own password, there's a really good chance you're reusing the same password or Mm -hmm. reusing minor variations of a password that a hacker can figure out. And those are real threats that are operating today on the internet where you know there are 555 million passwords that are already known from many, many data breaches. So there are a lot of people out there who already have passwords. They can use what's called a credential stuffing attack where they take hundreds, thousands, millions of usernames and passwords and they just stuff it into as many websites as they can to try to log on. So these are real attacks and they work at scale. If you're using a password manager and you have strong, unique passwords, You cut a lot of that off. So yes, there are problems with password managers. We're going to get into a little bit of that later this week at CNET. But there are also big problems with not using password managers. So that's really the kind of the equation I look at.
2: Yeah, it's all about mitigating risk, right? There's nothing that, there's no perfect solution, and we can't expect one, but better than just having a simple password.
0: Okay, next up, uh, I'm kind of curious from this comment that came in from Timothy on YouTube. It was Brian. It was Brian again, sorry. Uh, Wishing about streaming service use code base linking, which got me to thinking, uh, are we going to see more of this kind of authentication uh, security methods come into play in the non-traditional sense? So as opposed to me sitting down, I want to get into my email. Here's a two-factor. Here's biometrics. Here's this or that. Uh, Are we going to see more things like, oh, you want to authenticate your YouTube account on your TV, just look right at your TV. It's going to scan your face or there's like a fingerprint sensor on the front of the TV. Are we going to see more things like that coming about?
1: That's a good question. I can't predict exactly where that's going to go. It seems to me a lot of the way the TV industry has gone is to still have pretty dumb TVs and then to have the smarts built into something else like a streaming box or something like that. I've seen a lot of authentication processes where, it says, you know, it's obviously it's a horrible pain to type in your username and password with a remote control. I've done it. I hate it. But there are a lot of situations where it says, you know, use your phone to log in, and then you type in a five-digit number or something like that into the TV. So I think there are ways that basically push that authentication hassle off of the TV and onto something that's more convenient. I think that's much more likely to be the way we go. Uh, I think, you know, there are a lot of people who are leery about the idea of, everything, recognizing their face as they walk everywhere mm. in their house. If that's, um, I, you know, I could see definitely some customers being leery about that, especially if they're in some gray zone where they're sharing their Netflix password, where their college room with their college roommates that they haven't seen in five years, you know, there, people might have some hesitation about that. So I think it's most likely for the near future that we'll be authenticating with some other device, most likely a phone. And then that'll, uh, sync up with the TV and get you logged
0: in. A comment just came through on YouTube from Will, uh, citing um, basically a horror story. Uh, Did anyone hear about the few YouTubers recently whose entire channels got taken over and erased, even though they were using two-factor authentication? That made me wonder, what kind of accountability is there out there if something like a LastPass, for example, if it failed... While you were using their service and you encountered digital losses, whether it be well-being, identity, anything like that, what kind of steps are there in place to protect the user on that side?
1: So, yeah, it's a big issue if you when you have harder authentication, when you have more secure authentication, then it's harder to claw your way back in if somebody does crack it. But when you look at those horror stories, you also have to compare it to the much vastly larger number of actual horror stories where people are just using a password alone. So nothing is perfect. Dual factor authentication is not perfect. I'm sure these little uh, hardware security tokens are not going to be perfect either. So it's all a question of uh, where you where your comfort level is. So if you're looking for the perfect security, you're never ever going to get that. If you're looking for better security, two-factor authentication helps. Hardware security keys help more. And you can protect uh, a lot of mainstream services, Facebook, Google, uh, Microsoft, Twitter, GitHub, Dropbox. A lot of these guys use hardware security keys now. So if you are looking for perfect, sorry, I'm not going to be able to help you there. If you're looking for better then two factor authentication is better than a password alone and hardware security key is better than that. Now when it comes to recovering your password, that's a problem, and it's a big expense right now, uh, excuse me, recovering your account if you've been hacked. That's that's difficult, and it gets differently difficult if you have a hardware security key. You have to have some kind of proof, uh, you know, where you're going to be going through some system at Facebook or Google or someplace where you're uploading driver's license ID, photos, and things like that. That's gradually maturing as that problem becomes more prevalent, more people go through it. And I think it's going to mature. Actually, one of the interesting things the FIDO Alliance is working on, that's the outfit that's uh, developed this authentication technology these security keys can use easily, they're actually working on some of this issue so that in principle later it will be easier to prove you are who you say you are, either for initial registration or for account recovery. So I think that will mature as that problem spreads. But again, the, big, the, big, the bottom line here is stronger authentication is better And it's not going to be perfect. There's still going to be examples of people who get their YouTube histories wiped or get their Twitter accounts taken over or something like that. But the stronger your authentication, the less likely that is to happen.
0: We've heard a lot from Steven, but Roger, I'm curious as to what services you employ, um, what you would vouch for as far as password management, what's worked for you so far, and any nightmares you've experienced.
2: Uh, No nightmares, knock on wood, but uh, LastPass is one I use as well so i'm not i'm not quite and i would consider these security keys um but yeah that's something i consider like especially after reading these articles uh that's that's definitely an option i would uh be, enter- be open to for sure gotcha, gotcha. i'm
1: gonna I throw in one more comment about these security keys because uh people i might not understand this one aspect of them you don't necessarily have to use them every time you log in if you're the chief financial officer at a company, yes, maybe every time you open your laptop, you're going to need to plug one of those in because you have access to such extraordinarily sensitive information. But if you're an average person logging into Gmail, uh, Google requires you to use it the first time you log in on a new device. You get a new phone, a new PC, then you have to plug in the security key when you're logging in for the first time. After that, uh, it's considered you only need to use it during sort of step-up moments where you're going to a higher level of some kind of security. So you can see for example a bank might require you to use it uh, like say using your bank app on your phone you might be happy with just face ID uh, fingerprint ID when you're logged on to check your balance but if you want to check if you want to transfer money maybe then you have to plug in the security key. So there are going to be a lot of situations where you don't always have to use the security key only when it's a particularly sensitive moment maybe you're changing your password or changing your phone number or something like that, then they'll say, okay, now please insert your security key. So with Google, you don't have to use it every day. You just have to use it when you're setting up a new browser, a new PC, a new phone.
0: I wish that they would follow that model here at CBS Interactive because our login methodology is annoying as hell. Before we let everyone go, this comment from Brian says, uh, I read an article that Lindsey Graham introduced legislation to make end-to-end encryption impractical. Stephen, can you shine any light on that?
1: Mm, Yeah, so I'm not following the legislation uh, right now super closely. That's mostly other reporters. But the basic tension here, there's a lot of law enforcement pressure, the FBI Mm -hmm. and uh, the administration. Some senators uh, don't like the idea that there's some communication that can't be encrypted. Uh, excuse me, decrypted, and that's end-to-end communication. So there are a lot of services that use that. Uh, for example, uh, WhatsApp from Facebook mm-hmm. uses end-to-end encryption, and iMessage from Apple uses end-to-end encryption. The law enforcement folks don't like the fact that they can't peek at that. They're used to the old days where you could request a wiretap on somebody's phone. There was no encryption, so as long as soon as they got that wiretap, they could eavesdrop, and they want that capability. Uh, with digital communications as well. The problem is uh, every, literally every security person out there who deals with encryption says you can't put in a mechanism that lets only the government uh, tap your communications. The problem is that if you let the government do that, then you're also in effect letting in hackers and identity thieves and criminals and uh, perhaps yeah, government surveillance you might not want in if you're a activist in China or something like that. So it's a really it's a really sticky wicket. I think the most interesting um, rebuttal to me to the government side is well, they also have an abundance of new digital tools that they did not have in the old telephone wiretapping days. They have GPS monitors. They stick to the bottom of your car. They have social media accounts. They have graphs that they can generate, contact graphs, who contacts whom, who contacts whom all the time. So there's a lot of new digital data that law enforcement operators can use these days, even if they don't have uh, access to encrypted communication.
2: And just for context, this really came to a head back in 2016 when Apple and the FBI sort of butted heads over whether or not to unlock an iPhone. This was an iPhone that belonged to, I believe, the shooter in the the San Bernardino shooting. Yes. And, uh, you know, they almost went to court. They were about to go to court when the FBI, like, miraculously found some other workaround to get into the phone. But that uh, that sort of was one of the first big clashes between the tech world and government uh, over whether or not, you know, these back doors should be put in place. And it's still a debate that's going on right now. It's
1: actually come back to the fore with some um, uh, legislation. This is what uh, I think the commenter was talking about, Lindsey yep. Graham. Uh, it's come back into the fore with legislation involving like, child pornography, I think. And uh, so all the technology companies, of course, saying, yes, we don't like child pornography. We'll work to try to eliminate it. But they're not going as far as saying, and we'll give you unfettered access to uh, all this communications. The bottom line is when you're using end-to-end encryption, the companies don't have access. It's not something where you can say, hey, Apple, you know, we have a, a, a search warrant, decrypt this chat that you've got Apple literally cannot. So it's, a, it's definitely a big bone of contention uh, with between the tech companies and law enforcement.
0: So many great questions and comments still filtering in, but we are pretty basically out of time. Uh, a couple of people in the YouTube chat citing some other password managers like Bitwarden and Mickey, I think it's how it's pronounced, M-Y-K-I. Uh, there's also a discussion about the uh, increased security vulnerability of using cloud-based applications here. Uh, But I want to end on this from Michael Brown. Uh, How come when I hear a lot of caution and hesitation about privacy and security with tech companies, but you don't really hear about this kind of stuff with banks or retail shops?
1: Banks and retailers don't like to talk about their security. Uh, Clearly there's you know a lot of sensitivity when things like like there's a giant target data breach a few years ago somebody got in uh, i forget the number tens of millions of accounts those guys don't like talking about their security they're not as um, up to speed with security as big tech giants like facebook and google which have to deal with you know presumably thousands of attacks every day to try to get into their infrastructure so there's Uh, You know, those guys kind of lag, but you have to give uh, some credit to uh, the banks and and retailers. They are improving slowly. There also are a lot of fraud detection mechanisms that you don't necessarily see. So uh, if you're logging in with just a username and a password to your bank, you can bet probably if it's a big bank that there's a lot of other stuff going on behind the scenes. They can do some pretty uh, sophisticated uh, analysis of how you're typing uh, various other behavioral characteristics of, of, of the person using uh, a computer, you know, obviously where you are, whether it's a new machine, some things like that, they can raise red flags within their system and lock things down or partially lock things down, make it a little bit harder to do sensitive things like money transfers or uh, connect a new bank to your existing bank. So there are, there are there's a spectrum of responses these guys can can have. But yeah, there's a lot going on right now with Privacy and authentication, I think we're very early. There's a lot of improvement that has to happen, both on the convenience and on the security strength side of uh, of the equation. So we're not done by a, stre- by a long stretch of the imagination.
2: All right. Well, thank you, Stephen, for spending time talking about passwords, the future of passwords. We'll be back tomorrow with more. But if you think of any more good questions when we're off, leave us a voicemail at yes voicemail. At two eight six two two five zero five one seven three, and if you want to learn more about today's topics, you can check the links to all today's stories in the description below. The Daily Charge. I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for joining us.